If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. In the jungle, where our main man Horton the elephant be straight chilling. When out of nowhere, brother start hearing some shit like somebody's talking to him. The fuck, all he see is a speck of dust. Turns out he ain't high as shit. This speck got a small ass dude living all up on it. For real. Being the righteous baller he is, Horton put the speck on a clover to keep it safe. Cause no matter how big or small people be, they still people. Hey guys, got a great show for you today. I'm talking to Greg Edwards. Greg is a fast-rising comedian based out of Los Angeles, California. He was born and raised in Newport News, Virginia, and he discovered his comedic talents very early in life. With the support of his family, he moved over to the West Coast at, um, in Los Angeles, California to pursue his ambition of becoming a stand-up comedian. He's known for his very distinctive voice, one-liners, fearless views, and thoughts on social commentary in America. He currently stars as Sparky Sweets, PhD OG, in the critically acclaimed YouTube web series Thug Notes. In the show, he uses street language to distill, dissect, analyze, and summarize classic literature. He's a fixture in comedy scene around um, the United States and has worked with comedians like Dave Chappelle, Patrice O'Neill, Damon Wyans, Bill Bellamy, W.K. Mal Bell, and a lot more. In addition to starring in Thug Notes, he hosts a weekly free comedy show, The Workout Room, and I just learned that he has another show titled Blame Social Media. So I'm pleased to discuss his life, his occupation, and the business of being creative on demand. Greg, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Chief. Man, that was an awesome uh, <laughs> intro. <right laughs> You're welcome, buddy. You're welcome. I so, appreciate it, man. Yeah, so let, let's get right on into it, man. So tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got started. What's the origin story of... Mr. Greg uh, Edwards. I mean, man, I think I come from a, a family of uh, crack-ups and people that are always trying to be positive and, and make people laugh and, and, and just enjoy life. So, um, you know, my family was was very supportive with, with anything I did. Mm. Uh, I used to play a lot of sports, but I've always been interested in, in acting and uh, uh just being funny and making people laugh and smile in, in, in any way. And, um, my, you know, my parents pushed me to pursue it. They used to take me around to theater auditions uh, back in my country town. And I used to do dinner theater. I, I did anything I could do. And I finally got the opportunity to come out to California uh, when I was 20 years old. And I just took advantage of it. And uh, I've been out here ever since. Uh, pursuing, pursuing my dream. Pursuing your dream. That's nice, man. So were you like that kid in class that was just the class clown tearing shit up? <laughs> I, wasn't, I, I, I wasn't the class clown, but I was the kid uh, that was watching the class clown and thinking he wasn't that. that funny. Really? And thinking it's funnier than him. You know what I mean? I was the, I was the dude that's joking the class clown. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you did sports like primarily in high school, correct? Totally, yeah. I played okay. football. Yeah, uh, I played 
football. And I heard you said you played with um, Michael Vick. He was on. Oh, yeah. Um, I played against Vic. I guess Michael uh, Vick. Yeah. He went to another school, but uh, yeah, we played against each other all throughout high school. I'm mm-hmm. good. I was friends with him in high school. I saw him. I saw Vic maybe a couple of times after we graduated when he was in the NFL. We had a couple of conversations, like passerby type stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm happy that he he turned everything around, yeah. man. He, he's actually a real good guy. Just got. You know, sometimes you get caught up. Yeah, I mean that's that's life. You know, sometimes you you do something, you make you make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. He just did it in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah, and he had to pay the price. But I mean, it's it's nice that he's turned things around and and he's oh, got totally. his, his career back on track and his life back on track, which is which is basically what it means. Like I titled the show "Bulletproof Entrepreneur." These things happen to everybody, so not necessarily in business, but in life in general. You have to be an entrepreneur. You have to take your shots, and you just have to get back at it if you want to succeed. That's it. You gotta. You know, it's not about. It's it's not about falling down. It's about how you get up and keep going. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So you left home, came to uh-huh. California, started comedy. Like, how how did you get into like stand up proper? Like, did you just start going to comedy clubs night after night until you were discovered, or did you go to some dramatic comedian school or something? Well, um. In my hometown of Virginia, there weren't really any comedy clubs. Um, okay. I knew I wanted to do stand-up, um, but theater was the closest I could get to that. Mm. But uh, when I was 20, I got the opportunity to work for this educational theater company in Oakland. And um, I moved out there. Uh, it's my first apartment, you know, everything like that. Uh, but I started, like, you know, reading through these, like, newspapers, and I would see open mic, comedy open mic, stand-up comedy. And I just started doing it that way. I would go to an open mic and, you know, write my stuff and just be horrible <laughs> and just keep going and keep going and keep going. Then you start meeting people and you just start getting better naturally. Uh, so so what was the first, like, um, bad experience doing open mic? Like, what was your first bombing? Oh, man, I think um, I think that actually my first mic I did, I did okay. Um, and then I kind of like, I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. You know, this is going to be cool. And then the second one, I bombed it up. And I think the third, fourth, fifth one bombed it up. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, but I kept meeting people and people was like, hey, man, you, you, you got a you got a good, funny sense of humor mm. and good stage presence. So, you know, people kept motivating me. And um, but I would go up there just trying to trying to be funny off the cuff instead of writing okay. my stuff down and oh, practice. Okay. You know, I had to learn. I didn't know. Yeah, okay. So, so that, was, that was my next question. I was going to ask you, were you more of like situational comedy based off of the audience or you learned the script? So that means along the way you had to like start scripting out your shows and planning oh. your jokes and arranging mm-hmm. your jokes. Okay. Yeah. Arranging, I- writing, uh, uh, Editing them, editing your jokes, uh, breaking words off—it's—it's it's, you know—it's a science to it mm. uh, that I feel like I'm a pro at now. But in those days, man, it took a—it took a little while. It took it definitely yeah. took a little while. Yeah, but I mean, but that's that's how you become a pro at anything. You start off sucking, and then you, exactly. you just have to fight through sucking until you know what. Hey, just, you do ten thousand of them, not too bad anymore. <laughs> Nah, man, it's it's fun now. Sometimes you still suck. You know that's the beauty of it. Uh, 
You know, it's you're constantly trying to create something, and uh, it could be bad. Like I'll make it. I'll I'll write a joke today and work it out at a mic or something tonight, and it won't be as it won't be that good. But by Friday, man, that joke would be great. And then I I got a joke for like you know the next year, year and a half. Mm. So, yeah. so so how did you like? meet like some of the big comedians that I mentioned earlier that you had worked out with. You met people along the way in Virginia. I'm sure by the time you were 20 and you got to LA, that's bigger scene, you know, all the big comedians are all there. Jamie Foxx, everybody is all there. So I'm sure they probably have like their managers or scouts or something looking for someone to kind of like open up shows for them every once in a while, correct? Yeah, well, when I first, I moved, uh, when I was 20, I moved from Virginia, and I moved to, like, the Bay Area, uh, San Francisco, Oakland, uh, and I was doing comedy uh, at this club called The Punchline in San Francisco, and, I, you know, I just hung around there so much, you know, I was, like, 21, 22 at the time, so I would do shows and just hang out at the, at the Punchline, mm. and I would meet, I'd meet other, like, famous comedians, and, you know, they'd be there for the week and I'd be at like every show, you know, just chilling, you know, talking to them afterwards. And, you know, by like making those relationships, uh, people will just be like, hey, man, uh, you, you was here last time. You want to do a set? And then I'll do a set and then they'll like me. And, you know, I'll get to open for them. Mm. Our clubs, the club booker liked me a lot because I was just always there. You know, mm. I'm a good guy, you know, um, personable. And, um, yeah, and I just get gigs that way. And I get to meet, you know, I got to meet Dave Chappelle, uh, Patrice O'Neill, you know, uh, so many, Bill Burr, uh, so many funny people that, you know, now I'm in L.A., I still run into these guys. And, you know, we have a better relationship now. So, uh, you know, I, I try to tell people, like, be nice to people and um, and people because you, you just never know. You just never know. That's right. So who was the main guy that took you under your his wing and kind of like, you know, said, "Hey, man, don't don't screw this up. You know, you, it could go well for you if you really like work hard at this, or you could like turn it the other way, and you know, that'll be the end of you." I had a um, when I lived in the in San Francisco, I had uh, three, you know, four four good, real good buddies. Three of them were older dudes; they were like mentors, and one of them was a younger guy uh, who happened to be my roommate. Uh, but W. Kamal Bell. Um, who's doing great stuff on CNN right now. Uh, he had his, his show called Totally Biased. Uh, he was a really good mentor of mine. Uh, a guy named Kevin Avery, uh, who just uh, worked on John Oliver's show. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually just won an Emmy. Um, mm. Really good. Uh, he wrote a really good play and movie called Thugs the Musical. Uh, he actually... Got me hooked up with the guys uh, with Thug Notes, he, oh, okay. Kevin A. And a guy named Reggie Steele, who's still in the Bay Area. But um, we all, we, we did a, some sketches called Black Guys on a Beautiful Day. Mm. Um, they were really fun. And those are really like my mentors, uh -huh. those, those so, guys. So what was that about Black Guys on a Beautiful Day? Oh, yeah, it's on YouTube. Uh, it's just us. It's four of us hanging out in San Francisco. We're acting like we're roommates. And uh, we trying to figure out well, what are we going to do that day. And then uh, Kevin decides, like, hey, 
why don't we just be black guys in San Francisco? So we do a lot of satire. We do a lot of stereotypical uh, African-American stuff. <laughs> and uh, and by the end of the sketch, we end up meeting another guy who's supposedly, supposedly more blacker or more uh, hood than we are. And we get scared. And uh, yeah, it's funny. It's pretty fun. So kind of like uh, friends for black guys. Exactly. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, nice, yeah. nice, nice. Yeah. So you start doing that and then, you know, getting some notoriety, getting some popularity, you know, um, how, how, how did it start to feel? I mean, what, had you like made it now? Were you like a name in the city? Were you getting like some mad checks coming in? Or you still had to hustle every day to book those gigs and still hustle still- every day? You know, before I left San Francisco, um, I, I was doing all the clubs out there. Um, you know, I was just doing doing all the shows. You know, I was getting I was getting booked a lot, um, but I felt like I, I felt like I was. Um, no, nah, I won't even say that. I just felt like I needed needed a new scenery. I needed to go somewhere else and meet new people and and just try to grow somewhere else. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, um, when I started like getting getting better and, and getting booked a lot in San Francisco, you know, people knew me, uh, people appreciated me. But I'm I'm a very humble I'm a very humble dude. Um, I like to keep it kind of humble, so people will say nice things, and I just be like, yeah, man, it's all good. I still gotta get better, and it's always somebody funnier or somebody that's working harder than you are. So I just try to stay focused like that and, and just keep striving. Okay, so so what so what were you drawing inspiration from for your comedy sets? Like you said, you're into like drama and theater. So do do you go into like Shakespearean acting when you weren't doing comedy, or are you just reading like some of those old classics or staying in the library with the art crowd? And how how are you like getting some inspiration? Uh it's all. I mean. I try to go on like social stuff, like stuff that will happen to me. You know, I would talk about, you know, uh, relationships, you know, um, I talk about uh, isms, you know, be it racisms, or, uh, stereotypes or ageism, sexism. Um, I, I would try to think about something that is on everybody's mind and just come at it from like a different angle or a different uh, perspective than most people are talking about. Um, yeah. so, give, yeah. so give us an example of one like take for example maybe racism and ageism because I think those are the two biggest things that we're all dealing with right now and especially with what's going on and uh, what's been going on in America totally well you know I, 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 um, I got this joke where I talk about um, a lot of people have been protesting different issues with Trump and mm-hmm. um, different race related issues that happened this year um, last year, the whole Black Lives Matter stuff, and uh, I talk about like you know I I don't like to protest the same way other people protest. I protest differently. Uh, my style of protesting is I'll go to a parking garage in any greater metropolitan area uh, and just go inside and unplug electric cars. You know, you know, just make it a play on it like you know most white people have electric cars. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, just. I just I try to not not say the most typical thing. I try to come at it, you know, like the back door mm. and open that way, you know, from from the side. From the side, yeah. Got to come from the angle. 
yeah that's that that makes plenty of sense all right so one thing i want to talk about is like you know racism trump you know last year especially we had like a lot of shootings especially with black lives matter and black men and all that stuff and i i remember listening to one of your interviews too where you were racially profiled and pulled over by the cops could you tell that story and like you know um like translate it for the audience so, so that we can understand like where some of this um comedic thought process is coming from especially based on the current narrative in society uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that particular story, um, I was just uh, coming from a comedy show, like I'm always doing, um, and I had a, my registration sticker was expired, but I had, uh, I went to DMV and I had another, uh, you know, they give you a sticker for the rest of the month, mm. and it was clearly back window. I just got harassed by some cops. Uh, they pulled me over in my parking lot and behind my apartment building, uh, which I thought was ridiculous. Uh, and they, I, I got out of my car. They pulled guns on me. It just was very dramatic. Uh, they took me to the station, uh, did a DUI test. I blew a 0.000. You know, nothing was in my system. They apologized. But, you know, it's just things that happen like that. Uh, being black and, and being in America sometimes in, in different cities. Um, and, you know, you just use it um, for fire, motivation, and, you know, just to, just to keep yourself going. Because, you know, a lot of people don't have to deal with that, but certain, you know, my group does have to deal with that. Um, it's not just me. It's so many other people. Yeah. And, you know, I just use it to try to relate and uh, try to talk to people about real issues. When I, you know, when my white friends found out what happened, when my Latino, Asian friends found out what happened, gay friends, they felt very hurt. And I just had to let them know that this isn't just uh, Trayvon Martin or somebody you don't know. Mm. This can happen to a guy you see every day. Yeah. You know, a guy to eat lunch with or a, a guy that we talk about each other's mothers. You know what I mean? This mm-hmm. is, you know, it's, it, it can get close to home. And, I, you know, I just use it. You know, you just use your stories to try to make people feel em- empathy and uh, try to respect what you go through and what our struggle is. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, like I was telling you, my colored buddy is from your hometown, and um, if he comes to visit me when I was living in Jersey City, and a cop is like, he would drive it like three, four cars behind us, they're like, dude, let's not act up until the coast yeah, is man. clear. <laughs> you yeah, don't want to exactly. have to do with anything. Nothing, because, you know, it's crazy out there, man. Yeah, cool. All right, so another thing I also read, which is on the funny side, is like you said at one time you saw a UFO. What's that? What's that oh, about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I was talking about this last night. Um, I saw a UFO like maybe how many years ago was this? Probably like eight years ago um, going to the comedy store on uh, Sunset Boulevard. Just hanging out like I do every Monday. Go to this comedy, go to this comedy open mic, and I looked up in the sky, and it was a huge, like huge UFO ship in the sky. It was beige, uh, like metallic beige. It had all these Asian characters on it, and it was super quiet. You know, like it wasn't making a noise at all. It was just, and um. And I looked down, you know, and looked at everybody else, and nobody was looking up. Nobody was looking up at all. It was just me. And I felt like maybe it was for me. I don't know. 
but I talked to my girl. My girlfriend picks me up maybe an hour after that, and I told her the whole thing, and uh, she thought I was crazy. But uh, I know what I saw. You know, you know when you know when yeah. you, you know you see something. I, I know what I saw. I know what I saw, and I, I believe it. I, I definitely believe in um, uh, UFOs and extraterrestrials and uh, beings and energies. You know, I think there's there's things that human beings can't explain. And uh, and other stuff that's going on in the world. I mean, you know, Earth is a it's an old planet. You know, mm. our solar system is very very old. Uh, the universe and so many galaxies. You know, we just live in the Milky Way galaxy. It's so many galaxies out there. So I think uh, human beings are foolish to believe that there's nothing else out there besides us. Mm. You know, yeah. Okay, so now, now look at looking at that looking at that story. I'm like, okay, there. Well, I've never experienced such a thing, so I would have said, okay, maybe Air Force is testing out some, you know, some hot new airplane or something. But, but gee, 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 this it was huge, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it was so big that I'm like, there's no way our Air Force has something that size. Oh, wow. it was huge. I mean, I've been in a intercontinental airplane you know uh, double decker those are big big planes but uh that this ship made probably like was 10 times that size wow. you know if it was 10 of those ships 10 of those planes all together it still wasn't as big as this this ufo that wasn't making a noise it was just just gliding like, like an electric car on the air and just floating in the sky and then it goes away Oh wow! It was crazy. It was crazy. That's crazy. All right. So I mean, <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna have to research that. I don't know. Like, I'm sure you have a hard time convincing people about this because until somebody sees what you saw, there's there's no way they're gonna buy it. You know? Yeah. They'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll take Greg's word for it. But uh, I mean, I don't know. Greg's crazy. Greg's is crazy. <laughs> All right. So for the UFOs, let's talk about you know third notes like um yeah you got recruited to work on that show and um i think you said the writer is uh jared bauer and another guy so tell yeah, us jake. jacob yeah so tell us about yeah. the origin of third notes and how you got hooked up with those guys to, to to bring this educational project that's kind of changing literature education as we know it Totally. Um, well, the, the writer and the creator is a guy named Jared Bauer. Um, very smart dude, loves hip hop, Jewish uh, dude from Texas. Uh, and he said he was going to some, he was going to a movie, like some old Brand 60s movies. Yeah, Brandon um, Lynch or something, I believe. I think I Oh, Brendan? Yeah, um, I have it right here. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was going to see, he was going to see one of those movies mm. and and he was thinking how he was trying to figure out how he can do something like a movie, a movie like this and put it in the hip hop, the hip hop narrative or mm -hmm. uh, in a more street slang style. And that made him create Thug Notes. And um, he had worked on uh, a project with Kevin Avery and, and Kamal Bell. And he had asked them, who does he think, who, who did he think that he, you know, could he, could he actually uh, recommend somebody for the project? And Kevin Avery recommended me, and I auditioned for it. Um, and, you know, we shot the first couple of episodes. 
and it moved very slowly. And then um, I think To Kill a Mockingbird was the one that really hit real hard. And after that, it's mm. just it's really been a success uh, ever since then. And it's it's been really good. You know, it's educational. Kids really enjoy it. Uh, teachers love it. Uh, so many people have seen it, and uh, it's really helped out my career uh, quite a bit. And you know, I work in the, I work in the educational field um, during like for my daytime gig. So it's it's nice to be doing something uh, that's funny, creative, and also can help people. Yeah. So so you're saying the first one really didn't like kick off. People don't oh. know what to expect, right? Yeah, Chi, I think the first two or three didn't really take off that well. I mean, I think we probably got a couple of thousand of views, mm -hmm. uh, like maybe three or four thousand views for the first two or three. And then we did To Kill a Mockingbird, and people started picking it up. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of journals and uh, a lot of popular uh, news journal operations online were picking it up. Uh, yeah, and it got, it got super popular. And some people... Don't get me wrong. Some people don't like it. Some yeah. people don't like the uh, connotation of it. And I understand, I totally get that with the way we're living right now. Um, but, you know, I think it's funny. Um, I think it's educational. And, yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hope you use it. Yeah, because like I told you earlier, I found it two weeks ago and I've been watching it ever since. And it just was like the way I looked at it is like, oh. He put two. They put two things together that had no business being together, but yet totally. now everybody is learning about literature. Because I remember reading, like the first one I saw was um, Chinua Achebe's um, "Things Fall Apart," and I remember reading that in, um, I think you guys would call it seventh grade, and I was like, okay. I did not understand it in that depth back then. Mm -hmm. You know, we were just told to oh, read it, and it was a very difficult read. But when you broke it down like that, and based on my experience now, I'm like, oh, I might go back and read that book again. That has some deeper stuff going on in there. Totally. Well, you know, I mean, um, the guy, it's, it's, we got such a good, diverse crew on it. You know, um, uh, Jerry created it, uh, but we have other guys that actually read the books uh, and find other information about the books. We, we got a lot of, we got a big research team, and You know, I, I like that we get different views that uh, other people don't think of. You know, like like you said yourself, like, man, I never thought about it from that angle. And uh, a lot of people say that. And I, I just think it's it shows people that you can read something and have your own point of view of it. And somebody else can read the same text and just have their own different point of view of it. I think it encourages people to read and it encourages people to have their own their own thoughts and, you know, respect their own views and somebody else's, too. So do you think education is probably going to change and go down this road in the foreseeable future? Because the way education has always been for the past couple hundred years since I think what the Industrial Revolution is basically, you sit people down in a room, you train them on what they need to know, you push them out there, let them go get a job. Now the jobs are basically Uber this, TaskRabbit that, um, yep. Airbnb this. That, that yep. You don't need to go to school anymore. You can do Udemy, you can sit on YouTube. And now you can't just dispel dry information. You have to have information that's basically short to the point and engaging so that people can remember it and use it when they need to call upon it. I mean, gee, yeah, I, you're absolutely right. I, I think um, I think education is going to change, definitely. Uh, I Personally, I don't think a lot of, especially in the States, 
a lot of stuff happens at school. Schools aren't really safe anymore. Um, I think more and more people are homeschooling their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, more more kids are learning. I think more people are going to be learning just like this. You know, one on one side is a teacher, and another side is the student, and they're just going to be doing their work like this. Like you said, from YouTube, U Academy. Um, I think the future of education will definitely be online. Um, I just wonder when it's actually going to happen. Like when it's starting to slowly happen, Mm. but I wonder when it will totally be embraced because it is the future. Mm, Yeah. And you were just saying that um, you guys got a lot of press and traction and that teachers are actually beginning to use your material for teaching. So are they, like mimicking you guys and copying what you guys are doing or do they just play the videos and then use it as a discussion piece during the class yeah they play they play the video uh use it as a discussion piece during the class i've seen some teachers actually uh ask their students to create their own thug notes video their own version of it um and they have to be sparky sweets phd they Mm. have to break down their own book like that so i think it's cool uh teachers you know because kid, all kids have their phone which is a, has a video camera on it audio you know you can do so much with it and i think it's good for teachers to to encourage their kids to be creative encourage their students uh to be creative to learn in a different way oh, nice so how much of the character is based off of um a scripting of what you guys came up with versus your input and your experiences and your background? Uh, well, I mean, totally. I think the character is is me, basically. It's yeah. just me playing. Uh, you know, I don't speak like that, but yeah, uh, it, it's basically just me uh, more exaggerated with my voice, uh, uh, gruffier. Mm. It's Greggy's sweet. You know, it's me doing that voice. Um, but it's mostly just my character. Uh, it's a, it's a character I I play with just, you know, somebody that's super excited, uh, not even a thug perhaps. It's more like, uh, just a a goofy guy that likes books and he's acting in a certain way. I, you know, from the beginning of when we first started doing thug notes, I I played the character more tough Mm -hmm. and I feel like, you know, like maybe after the first 15 or 20 videos, I made the character more more relaxed, more jokey, uh, but still tough. But yeah, I, I just kind of broke it. We wanted, they wanted the character to be more of a tough, like drill sergeant type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that worked in the beginning, but I think people appreciate, uh, you know, the comedian aspect of it now. It's just more relatable. So when you're doing, like, take for example, one of the ones I really liked, which was uh, the old man in the sea, or uh-huh. whether you're doing talk notes or you're working on stand-up comedy, did you ever get the sense that, you know, um, do you ever get nervous and like feel like, you know, you're not good enough or you you're not like you have the imposter syndrome where you don't feel you're up to playing this character or doing what you're doing. Oh uh, yeah, Chi. I mean, you know, um, you know, I'm I'm self-reflective, uh, just like everybody else. You know, um, 
sometimes I get down on myself. Sometimes like, oh man, I don't think this is funny. Um, I don't know if I'm doing this right. What am I doing? Um, but you know, that's when you you have you have your friends, uh, your loved ones, your family members to keep you focused and and make sure you know what you're doing and uh, to show what you've done. You know, and I keep stuff around my house to. Uh, to keep me motivated to uh, show my successes, um, you know. But yeah, you know, sometimes you know the 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 sky is falling, and um, I don't think I'm I'm good. You know, sometimes I feel like that. But you know, they go away. They go away. And you know, I I get nervous sometimes. Man, I've been doing comedy for like uh, sixteen years, fifteen years now, and um, sometimes I still get nervous. Uh, sometimes I still get those butterflies. But, you know, you still just got to keep going. You still got to keep, like, you know, one foot in front of the other. You just got to keep going. Keep going. That's right. So what's the future for, you know, the project? Like, what do you, um, guys, what do you guys see taking this thug history, thug biology, <laughs> thug physics? I would, man, I, hey, I, I think um, I think it would be dope to do thug history. Or, you know, I, w- I would love for us to get something on Comedy Central. You know, nice. actually have like a real uh, TV show, and they've been trying to work on it. But you know, it's Hollywood, man. It takes time. It takes yeah. money, energy, and a lot of people having the same focus uh, trying to do it. So in due time, you know, yeah. these guys, uh, the producers, uh, you know, this is like their first big project. So mm. it's it's hard to um, it's hard to to know what you're doing without that experience sometimes. Mm. So, but they're, they're working hard and, you know, hopefully, hopefully this will come to TV. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited for just, you know, for, for what we've done so far, we've done over a hundred books, you know, which is going to help so many students and uh, college students, uh, get through. So I'm excited for that. Nice. Nice. And I know you work with, um, a lot of kids as a mentor yeah. and you work with them all the time. So if you're teaching an eighth grade class today, um, like what, what would you teach them? What would you like tell them to watch out for and help them build on as they are still in their formative years? Well, I mean, I always try to, you know, I try to teach the kids that I work with about friendship, uh, respectfulness, um, and like just hard work. You know, I, I try to let kids know that, you know, because when kids when kids are young, they're kind of mean, they're kind of mean to their peers. And I, I just let them know that, you know, you never know what somebody else is going through. Uh, and, and you just not you never know what the future holds, you know, like the same kid that you're picking on uh, could be offering you a job mm-hmm. in 15 years. You know, you just you just never know. And I just tell them, you know, about karma. And like the stuff that you do now will come back and affect you in the future. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, try to teach them just to work hard at anything you do. I don't care if you're a, a dishwasher. You know, you be the best dishwasher. You're gonna be. You're gonna. You know, be the best cook. You know, just work hard at whatever you do. And uh, you know, just try to teach these kids to be nice, man. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's a lot of mean people out in the world. You know, I want I want the next generation to be nicer and want to want to help out more people. You know, so we won't have to go through these same isms and issues that we're going through today. Yeah, yeah. And as we start to wrap up the show, because we've almost reached the uh, close to an hour mark, 
I just wanted to yeah, ask you like a few questions and then I'll, it's Memorial Day, so you, time for you to get to that barbecue. I don't want to keep you away from those ribs. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so who do you look up to like in your professional career and um, what do you learn from that person? What do you admire about that person and what do you try to emulate? Um, um, I've always had uh, two big idols in, in comedy. Um, uh, and that's Dave Chappelle, oh. and uh, and before him uh, was a guy named is, is Chris Rock. Uh, those are my guys. I, I love the way, I love their smartness. I, I love uh, their intelligence when it comes to jokes and and material, and I love their their social consciousness. Um, and I, you know, I love their work ethic. You know, they work hard. They they push it. They keep going. Um, even if they fall down, you know, Chris Rock could do a shitty movie or a bad movie and, you know, uh, he'll, he'll be back, you know, next year with a, with a, with a banger. Um, mm. so those, those are my, those are my guys. Um, Hannibal Burris, he's a, he's like a new dude, uh, that's really, you know, been crushing it the last couple of years. So I, I try to stay motivated and, and encouraged uh, by watching those guys. And, you know, uh, W. Kamau Bell, a dude that I know uh, that's just uh, so successful right now, and I, I know him very well. You know, just I just try to um, stay encouraged uh, by friends that I see, you know, changing the narrative of black comedy, you know? Mm, nice. And um, when you think of the word success, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? happiness um you know I, I i think everybody equates success with money um but to me it's happiness you know like i you know i want to i i feel most successful when i'm happy uh when i'm in shape you know i'm, I'm feeling good i'm healthy uh relaxed uh my family is happy you know that that's success for me you know mm. fi financial success is good but if you're not happy Nothing really matters. Yeah. And if you were to advise um, some young guys coming out of high school thinking of going down the same comedy road, because it's not easy watching all the comedians, you know, everybody talks about their struggle for ye years. Even like the guys that blow up Jim Carrey, Chris Rock, and uh, Dave Chappelle. I mean, they had like really, really tough times because this is a very creative job. You know, you can't just, you basically have to make everything up on the fly. For the yep. rest of your life. Yep. So, what would you yep. advise somebody like that to, you know, start to do to prepare themselves for the career in the uh, business? I would say, you know, think think long and hard before you get into this career. Um, it is like you said, Chi. It, it's hard. Uh, it doesn't come fast. Uh, it's a lot of you know, a lot of broke nights. Uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> A lot of uh, uh, bad relationship relationships that end because people just can't deal with it. You know, it's a, it's a lot of dedication and sacrifice. So I tell people, you know, before you want to jump into stand up, really think hard about it. Um, but it's fun. Uh, you get to be creative in a way that uh, most people in the world don't get to create. Um, you get to make people laugh, which is an involuntary movement. People don't want to laugh usually. You have to make them laugh, and, mm. and that's some spiritual, some spiritual stuff right there. Making somebody happy, uh, you know, which uh, comes with a lot of responsibility. 
Um, but uh, you know, work hard and uh, and w whatever you plan on doing, just just do it to your your utmost ability and uh, and work hard at it and, and focus on it and um, <laughs> don't do it. Just don't, just don't <laughs> go to school, man. Be a lawyer. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do this. Okay, and I think the last question is going to be based off what you just said earlier, which is um. When it comes to relationships and this particular career, you, you kind of need to have like a, a stable relationship in your life. Somebody that understands what you're trying to do with your life, especially with this yep. career. And I know you've been with your girlfriend for what, seven, eight years now? Nine, nine years at this point. Nine, nine, nine. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, try, try to get on CNN. <laughs> I'll get it, Chief. Okay. Oh, I know. So, so, um, I'd say, like, how do you know you found the right one that, like, kind of understands you and knows what you're trying to go through and is supportive enough to work with you on this journey? Well, you know, I think uh, time tells everything. Uh, I've been with my lady for, like, nine years. Uh, she knew me. Uh, we met when I was in my late 20s in uh, San Francisco. Uh we were both working for different goals. Um, and she saw me when I was struggling in San Francisco. She saw me when I was doing great in San Francisco. She seen me struggle in LA. She seen me do great in LA. I think um, you know you found the right person. Um, when they still love you when you're doing, when you're, you're up and you're down and you're in the middle, they, they still treat you the same and they still care about you. And, you know, um, I think being honest, you know, telling people what you want out of life and your goals and, and them telling you what they want and their goals and, and just coming together and, uh, and just being there for one another. You know, and that's when you find a, 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 a man or a woman that can support you and be there for you and love you for just for who you are. You're doing good. You find you find a good one. But, you know, and sometimes it's not like that. You know, sometimes people are there for like a season and, but you can learn things from that. You know, I, I I still think fondly of my old girlfriends that, you know, couldn't. He's like, Greg, I can't handle you doing this comedy thing every night. You know, I don't even get to hang out with you. This isn't a relationship. I respect those women, too, because I, I learned something out of that, too. You know, so it's just life, man. You know, life ups and downs. And sometimes things work out. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. And uh, keep keep going and with that said my friend it's uh the end of the show one hour so uh i'd like to say thanks a lot for agreeing to do this interview man i really appreciate you taking the time it was a busy schedule i know you have a lot of things doing and you shoot like five episodes in one day and you know the, the dude the man is working hard man if you're hearing this and you're in hollywood man give the man give the man a shot give him like a movie or like a tv show or something Keep telling them, Chief. Keep telling them. <laughs> so that's it, my brother. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate taking the time to, to do this, man. And do you have any last word for anybody out there listening? Uh, keep following Chi. Uh, keep checking him out. He's, a, he's, he's great. He's doing great work, uh, putting out some positive energy for us. Uh, so anything Chi's doing, check it out. Hopefully we can get Chi on CNN. Hey. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. I'm going to stay in contact with you, too, oh, Chief. Oh, definitely, definitely. We'll trade up the details and whatnot. And I'll be in the States in the summer. I'll be coming to California, so I'll give you a ring. 
let's hang out, man. Oh, for sure. For sure. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. It's a wrap. All right, T. All right. So. Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. Visit Ordeshi.com right now for more incredible resources. And we'll see you next time on Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.